The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. I'm pretty excited about Saturday church. It's uh, actually, I'm more excited about uh, be sitting under the, the preaching of our lead pastor again, right? Looking forward to that. Well, listen, just for showing up uh, today, I have a gift for you. Thank you for being here. This is a long weekend and you're here. So I have a gift for you. Um, one of my favorite places, if you go to Lowe's today or tomorrow and you walk in and say, hey, Roger sent me, uh, you don't have to pay the tax. <laughs> what a gift. What a gift. Some of you are going, hey, wait a minute. That doesn't really uh, come from you. I saw the advertisement. Anybody that walks in there can have no tax. (laughs) Not much of a gift if it doesn't actually cost you something, right? Like, hey, I found this on the road. Do you want it? Um, No, thanks. Um, So unlike God's amazing grace. We've been singing about that. Uh, What it cost God. So uh, what is God's grace? What is grace? Uh, A good definition is unmerited favor. Uh, Listen, you don't have to show up here to to get this gift. All right? Uh, There's nothing that you can do to earn this gift. It's a gift. Um, A good definition is uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. We learned that when I was a little kid. That's a good way to remember grace, right? God's riches at Christ's expense expense. Listen, I want to elevate this morning God's amazing grace. When we're done here, I want you to be amazed by God's grace. Uh, More than that, I want you to commit yourself in a greater way to God's amazing grace. That's where we want to get to this morning. Uh, We can pray and ask God to help us uh, to do that. Listen, uh, God's grace is so amazing Uh, understanding what it costs Jesus for my salvation is the study of a lifetime. Understanding what it means to me is the study of a lifetime. God's grace is so amazing, yet a child can grasp it and understand it and be saved. And smart people can study it for years and still be going scratching their head. Listen, God's grace is truly amazing. So let's find out. Um, God's rich is at Christ's expense. What does grace get me? Well, in Paul's uh, letter to Titus, he talks about God's grace. And it gives us three things that at uh, once kind of encapsulated all. And yet, just... uh, Wet our taste for more. So let's read those verses. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Let's ask God to help us understand his amazing grace. 
Father, thank you for all that we've been able to participate in. Thank you that we're able to uh, lift your name high in worship and sing these glories that we're talking about, the very things that are precious to us. Father, I would ask that your Holy Spirit would bring to us, would open our hearts and enlighten our minds to understand how amazing your grace to us is. Father, I would pray that uh, our hearts would run to you in thankfulness when we're done today. Father, although we are uh, weak, so sidetracked by our, our circumstances, so uh, overwhelmed by our own concerns, Father, would you please uh, stop us in time. And help us pay attention to the word of God. And take it into our hearts. And be changed today. We ask this in Jesus precious name. Amen. Alright so what, is, uh, what does grace get me? Well we read here first of all that the grace of God appeared. Uh, when did that happen? Well it happened when Jesus Christ came. Uh, God crashed history. Jesus crashed history. He came. He, uh, I don't know what you th- uh, see as uh, how you see history. But uh, God, God's view of history is that it's divided by the coming of Jesus Christ. He says in Galatians, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. In the fullness of time. Jesus split history in two. Now that doesn't mean he divided it in two. Doesn't mean like it's equal parts. Jesus split history in two because he changed everything when he came. He uh, We're told the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of uh, the only son of the father. Full of grace and truth. Now don't think that just because God broke into history in a unique way. That he he didn't have anything to do with it before. It isn't like God had wound up the world and set it off. And walked away and took a break and had a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden he said, well I better get back at that. And crashed into history. No he was involved in it all the time. Hebrews tells us this. Long ago, and that uh, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God has always been revealing himself. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, this is how involved he was in the world. Through him, whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I think he's involved. He hasn't just been kind of absent. He's always been involved in revealing himself. But now, he got really involved. He crashed into history. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So picture this. The creator of everything, who's outside of time, steps into his creation and into time in order to redeem his creation. What a phenomenal thought that is. 
I don't know if you spend a lot of time thinking about that. He appeared to bring salvation to all people. Well, that sounds good. How do I get that? How do I get that? Well, consider this. Jesus didn't just crash into history. Jesus crashed into my history. He crashed into our history. How do you get that? It says, but all... Uh, he came into his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This is where grace becomes personal. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. This is where it gets personal. How do I get that salvation? Well, Jesus entered my history and he changed everything. Let's uh, picture for a moment that uh, this side of the stage is... Uh, your birth. All right? And that side of the stage, we don't know where that comes or when that comes or how far away that is. Uh, that's your death. Uh, trust me, that day's coming. We live like it ain't coming, but it's coming. So I was born way back, you're not going to believe this, I know, 1957. Some of you are going, you were born in the 1900s? That's unbelievable. Um, no, it's true though. I was born in 1957. And that's when my history started. But listen, one day Jesus crashed into my history. And he revealed to me my need for Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I came to the cross and received eternal life. That happened when I was about uh, 10 years old. So uh, my history, I started, I was born in 57, around 1967, Canada's Confederation year. Uh, I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. 10, 20, 30. That's too close. We need to move this back here. Um, I'm trying to buy as much time as I can. I'm, I'm figuring that's like 120 back there, okay? Listen, uh, Jesus crashed into my life when I was 10 years old and I received him as a, my Savior. Before that, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Now, for me, that was only 10 years. But I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I didn't have eternal life. I was in the domain of darkness. But God, it says in Titus chapter 3, just uh, on the next page here. God who is rich in mercy when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his mercy. When I was 10 years old, God just showed me that I was sinful. That I, I didn't just do sinful things. I was a sinner. And I needed a Savior. And Jesus, who is God, who is righteous, died in my place. I remember when it happened. Uncle Bob and Aunt Vi were doing children's meetings. And I was there. We sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's exactly what happened. The things of earth got dim. And I saw that I was a, a sinner. And the weight of sin was crushing me. But I looked to Jesus Christ. And I received him as my savior. And I was saved that day. And I was given eternal life. Listen. Uh, I don't know where your history is at. I'm pretty sure you were born because you're here. I'm pretty sure you haven't died because you're here. But the question is this. Has Jesus split your history in two? It has to happen that way. 
Nobody just kind of says, I, I just always knew God. No, you always knew about God. Maybe you were like Timothy, taught in the scriptures from the time you were a child, like I was. But there still has to come a point in time where you turn from your sin and turn to the Savior because you are separated by, uh, from God by your sin and you need what Jesus did on the cross, his payment for your sin to be applied to you. Jesus wants to split your history in two. So for me, it was he split my history in two when I was 10. He could split your history in two today if you've never received him. He's calling you to turn from your sin and turn to him. So what, is, uh, what does that get me? What does that get me? So I turn to Jesus. What does that get me? Well, let's take a look at some of the things that it gets you. Here's uh, Christ's expense. He died on the cross. He purchased this for us. He paid that price. What does it get me? This is God's riches. Let's consider some of these things. Uh, first of all, cleansing. Cleansing. You can be cleansed from your sin. Isn't that amazing? The stain. Sometimes the stain that is so part of what you are can be cleansed. How about this one? Redemption, uh, regeneration. This means to be born again. You get new life. You get eternal life. A different quality of life. You get it right now. We'll talk about that uh, some more. How about this? Indwelling. God comes to live with your spirit in you, in your body. We're an immaterial person living in this material body. And God himself comes to live with you. That's a, a source of great comfort to me. When, when Margaret's mother was, was uh, with Alzheimer's, and, and uh, we'd go visit her, and here she is, and we couldn't get through to her. And uh, God limited himself to her condition because he promised that he would live with her in that body. Isn't that an amazing thought? How about this one? Redemption. Uh, we, he, bought, he paid the price. He bought us out from under sin. He paid the price for us. How about this one? Forgiveness. One girl said, you can, you can be forgiven for the things you've done? Like, really? I'd crawl across broken glass for that. You don't have to crawl across broken glass. Jesus bought that for you. How about justification? Um, you're declared righteous. There's nobody righteous here. But I'm declared righteous. What a phenomenal thought. Adoption. Uh, he makes me his son. Propitiation. Um, he's the satisfaction. God is satisfied. Are you happy with that? Uh, yeah, I'm satisfied. Union with Christ. What a phenomenal thought this is. It's just as if by faith I was with him on the cross and buried with him and raised. I have his life now. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not me, but Christ lives in me. What a thought that is. That's what we picture in baptism. And that's what we're going to do in October. We're having a baptism where we actually picture that. I was with Christ on the cross and now he's with me here. What a phenomenal thing. Um, inheritance. 
I have inherited all the riches of God. I have all that Christ has is mine. Sealing. Um, like it's not going away. It's a permanent thing. All of these things were purchased by Christ on the cross. Do you realize that if you're in Christ, all these things are true of you? Always? Every believer, look around the room, look at somebody next to you. If you're in Christ, these things are true of you. You don't have to do anything for them. They don't change. They're always true. Here's a good exercise that we often uh, tell people to do. It's the alphabet exercise. And you, you take the thing that uh, kind of is bugging you right now. And uh, something, some aspect of your life that's really bothering you. And uh, you, you uh, put whatever the name of it is. And then you find another thing that starts with the same letter. Uh, that's true. That God says is true. And you substitute it. So um, like this. I am not abandoned. I am adopted. Isn't that a great thought? How many have ever felt like abandoned? Even abandoned by God. But the truth is, I'm not abandoned. I am adopted. And that's really cool as you put a verse with that. Say we have the adoption of sons. Romans chapter 8. So let's try that. Okay? We're going to practice this. You you can help me out with this. Um, I am not corrupt. I am cleansed. Great. You're doing really good with this. You've been practicing already. What's a verse you can put with that? Oh, it's getting tough. I thought you guys read the Bible. Come on. What's a verse about cleansing? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a phenomenal verse. How about this one? I'm, uh, I'm not lonely. I am loved. Okay, let's put a verse with it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You are loved. Uh, how about this one? This is the hard one. Um, I am not a zero. I am a hero. It doesn't start with Z. Very good. I like the rhyming thing. That's good. We could do a whole rhyming thing, but um, I'm not a zero. I am zealous for the Lord. Okay, that brings up an interesting thing. In Jesus Christ, when I'm saved, uh, the things that we have talked about are always true. Are you always zealous? Um, I'm not always zealous. So there are some things that are always true. I'm always loved. I'm always adopted. I'm always cleansed. But there are some things that are a little bit different that depend on some things. We're going to get to that. But that's a good exercise. Thank you. Hey, listen. Maybe you're saying, Roger, this is truly amazing. Um, But I'm not always feeling it. As a matter of fact, I have to to go to work Tuesday morning. And uh, where is all this grace then? Because in my circumstances, nothing has changed. Oh, oh, but friend, everything has changed. Everything has changed. You have changed. But I've got good news for you. Grace has even more for you. Grace, grace gives me the times of my life. 
Have you ever had the time of your life? We had the time of our life. We're usually talking about something to do with roller coasters or something. That is not the time of your life or something to do with food. We had the time of our life. Um, No, no. A grace gives you the time of your life. Uh, We often think of eternal life as something that I'm going to get when I die. And then I'm going to start eternal life. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Eternal life is a gift from God that we get as soon as we trust Christ. And I'm living it now. And uh, one day I'll just maybe step out of this body. But I'm just going to keep living the eternal life that I already started living when I was 10 years old. Um, That's eternal life. It's a quality of life. And we begin living it from the moment of salvation. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, when God saved us, he just kind of brought it all to completion? Wouldn't it be nice if we just, oh, we're saved and we just wink out into heaven? <laughs> okay, there'd be a lot of people just disappearing. And what, what about the people that are left? Um, listen, God entered time to save us. And he saves us in time. And we are still creatures of time. I got news for you. I don't know if you realize this, but time is passing really quickly. It goes faster the older you get. Trust me on this. It's moving fast. We're in time. Think about this. His work in us is already complete outside of time but is being accomplished inside of time. I don't know how you want to think about that. It's so sure, it's like it's already done, but it's happening in time. And so God saves us in time, and it's not all like, boom, all all done. So that brings us to this question. Okay, Roger, what does amazing grace get me? Amazing grace when I got saved, gives me some things that can't be changed. But what has it got for me today or Tuesday when I go back to work? Well, let's take a look at that. Uh, Titus 2, 12 and 14 are the verses we're going to look at. We want to look at verse 14. First of all, let's start with uh, God has a clear purpose. God has a clear purpose. What is it? Who gave himself for us, Christ's expense... In order to get what? Uh, This. To redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What what does grace get me today? A freedom. Freedom. He redeemed us from all lawlessness. Do you realize that Paul says... It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. There are so many things that the scripture tells us about. And, and it, it is apparent that because it's a choice, I could make the other choice. Um, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Christ's expense. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Okay. What if I don't? You see, there is the possibility. But God redeemed us from all lawlessness. Do you know that I don't have to sin anymore? That kind of makes it worse, doesn't it? (laughs) 
Because the last time I did something wrong uh, meant uh, I chose to. It used to be I didn't have a choice. But now I have the Holy Spirit. I have grace. Uh, I can be strengthened with grace in the inner person. So now I have a choice. Uh, God gave us freedom. I don't have to be ruled by worldly desires and by my flesh. I have a choice. God gave me that freedom. I have that today. That's something for today. How about this one? Belonging. He made us a people for his own possession. I am not abandoned. I am adopted. I'm part of the people of God. I belong here. I have a family. If my father and mother forget me, God will take me up. I am not abandoned. I belong. I'm part of God's people. I have somebody who's taking care of me. That's present. That's active. I belong to him now. How about this one? A passion. A reason to get up. He says, a people zealous for good works. That word zealous, it's like a zealot. Like a fan, like a, like a Montreal Habs fan. Like those guys just don't quit for nothing. It's true. Toronto Maple Leaf fans, real fans, don't quit either. They just like never get anywhere. So Todd told me, don't use a sports illustration, Roger. You don't know anything about it. It's true. Okay, just forget I said that. Passion, something to live for, a reason to get up. Listen, uh, what do you get up for? God wants to give you a reason to live that is powerful, something bigger than yourself. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing in the world. He wants to give you a front row seat to him changing people's lives. And we get that here in the church. We see God changing people and turning them around and it's an amazing thing. I'm excited about our project 5,000 hours. That's good works. That's a reason to get up in the morning, to serve one another, to serve others, to, to uh, share with uh, others Christ's love. Now, this is what a lot of people are looking for in their lives. Freedom. Belonging. A reason to get up in the morning. We have that in Christ. It's for today. Um, how do we get that? Well, God has not only a clear purpose, God has a, a clear process. Uh, here's his process. It's the process of discipleship. It's applying God's word. Verse 12. Let's read it together. Uh, tra- training us. Grace is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Okay, um, everybody's like down on ungodliness. Like, renounce ungodliness. Everybody goes, yeah, down with ungodliness. Um, Until they find out what ungodliness is actually all about. Uh, To know what ungodliness is, you kind of have to know who God is and what he's like. And when you begin to study that and you begin to find out, oh, um, that's ungodly? You mean I can't just do with my body whatever I want? Um, Well, I didn't think it meant that. And all of a sudden, we're not so excited about down with ungodliness. This is the process of discipleship. Here's how it works here. All right? The applicational preaching of God's word 
the applicational preaching of God's word. We hear it and it's, uh, I take this home with me and put it into practice. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, I go to small group. That's the next step. And we, uh, we talk about, a, okay, wh- how does that really work out in our lives? And we kick it around a little bit and realize, boy, uh, hearing God's word has implications for how I actually do things and how I use my mouth. And, and then we get together in breakout and we say, how, how are you going to live it out this week? What's the next right thing for you to do? And how can I help you do that? Because we can do better together. And that's, that's the process of discipleship. And if you'll keep applying God's word as you hear it and putting it into practice in your life, you will become mature in Jesus Christ. More and more, things will be changing for you. It's the process of discipleship. Um, another way to look at it, it's the process of biblical soul care. This is what we do. We take the, um, the, the things that are true of who I am in Jesus Christ and apply it to life as I'm living it. And that's all. Uh, soul care is just discipleship. It's just applying God's word to my life at specific points. It's just taking what's true of me in Jesus Christ and walking it out in reality. And so it involves, uh, it says here, it involves my will. I'm to renounce ungodliness. And so a lot of what we have to do is just uh, my will. I have to choose. And uh, choosing is a hard thing. So many of our choices are driven by emotions, right? Why do you, why, why, why you want to wear that? It just feels right. Why do you want to do that? I, I just felt like it was right. And emotions drive a lot of our decisions. And we need to revamp how we make decisions and why I choose what I choose. And so it involves my will. It involves uh, my passions. We're to renounce worldly passions. Uh, God has some new passions for us. Desires. The desires of my heart is what's being talked about here. And one of the hardest things is we, are, we don't even realize how overwhelmed we are with the world's way of looking at things. And so I need to have my desires changed. And that's biblical soul care is driving for the heart. What is the heart desire that's driving the behavior? That's driving the choices. It's fine to just say, make a different choice. But what's driving that in the first place? Why is it so difficult to change the choices I'm making? It's because of my desires. He says, we ought to live self-controlled. This is actually um, has to do with the way we think. Sober-minded is the actual word. It's changing the way I think. So it involves not my will, just my will and my desires. It involves my, my thinking processes, my cognitive processes. That's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it doesn't stop there. I don't just memorize a verse and think that's a magic little potion that's going to make me okay. I memorize scripture. My mind is renewed so that I can apply it and prove or literally live out the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so it involves my, my mind and my cognitive processes based on God's truth. And I'm to live upright and godly lives. It's behavioral. It involves every aspect of my life. That's God's process. It involves me. 
So grace becomes personal when I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And some things are true of me that will never change. But then I have to get involved. And on the basis of that, I apply God's word in my life again and again and again. And I keep after this and I keep after this. I become zealous for these things. And God transforms who I am. He changes me. And that's grace for today. What an amazing thing. God wants to give you a life that is just amazing. The things that stop it is usually, I have a wrong belief about God. I have to correct what I believe about God. Satan is still telling us the lie. And listen, God does not have your best interest in heart. That is a lie. God is good. He loves you desperately. He proved it by giving his son on the cross. I have to think rightly about God. And then I have to think rightly about myself. In light of who God is. So often that's the mistake that's made. That's the thing we fight against in our society right now. We've become psychologized. And we think about man. Outside of relationship to God. We, we look at all the things that he does and then we try and figure out why he does what he does. But it's out of relationship uh, to God instead of in relationship to God. And I have to realize I can never think rightly about myself if I don't understand who God is. And that myself in light of God is he's holy and I am not. He's righteous and I'm not. I'm sinful and I need to be saved. And in relation to him, he gives me everything that I need to live. It comes from him. And so I can never think rightly about myself if I don't think rightly about God. And then I have to think rightly about others and my relationship to them. And I can never think rightly about my relationship to other people if I don't have my relationship to God right. And all of these things come from God's truth. And then I need to understand how the world works. And why things happen the way they happen. And when I begin to evaluate my world from God's point of view, I see everything so differently. Most of the problems that we have in life and biblical soul care is just trying to straighten out those things based on God's truth. You know what? It's the applicational preaching of God's word. Not here to everybody, but individually or to a small group or to a family. It's the process God has a clear process. It's applying his word to my life. Well, Roger, that sounds good. So grace crashed into history and changed everything. And grace is available for me every single day. That sounds good for you. You have a nice life. You have a beautiful wife. Uh, You have a boss that likes you, apparently. You get to work with Miss Jeannie. Like, it's fun. But I have to go home to the dragon lady. So how long is this going to take? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I don't have to go home to the dragon lady. I have a beautiful wife. You have to go home to the dragon lady. <laughs> we always say, how long will this take? When will it get better? Listen, uh, grace has more for you. Grace gives time a time frame. Now, by that, I don't mean that uh, grace doesn't put a time frame on this. 
Grace doesn't say there's a period of time. It puts a period on time. Grace tells us not how long, but why. Verse 13, we read, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The way that grace gives time a time frame is it reminds us that this isn't all there is. There's something way better coming. It's a blessed hope. It's the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, when he comes, things are going to be different and they're going to be way better. Heaven will not disappoint anybody. And that's what we're living for. That changes how I'm doing things here because he's coming. And when he comes, I don't want to be ashamed at his coming. We're looking for him because when he comes, we will be like him. We shall see him as he is. And so uh, grace says uh, this life isn't all there is. It'll be the revealing of the glory of Jesus. And so it's not so much. uh, Grace puts a, a time frame on time. Not by saying this is how long it's going to be. But by saying this is why it matters. Because this is not the end. God has something better for us. And that's. So exciting. Here's what it comes down to. We're faced here. If you're in Christ, all of those things are true of you. If you're in Christ, then every single day, God has, uh, God has uh, freedom for you. And God has uh, belonging for you, a place for you. And, uh, and, and, and God has a purpose for you. Here's the difference grace makes. Sin. Sin will take me out of my depth. Every time. Without remedy. The wages of sin is death. Sin. Desire. uh, When it brings forth a sin. Brings forth death. Sin will take me out of my depth. Every time. You can't play with that. It'll take me out of my depth every time without remedy. What will grace do? Grace will take me out of my depth every time without regret. Why is that? Because grace is Jesus Christ and you can trust him. Grace appeared For the grace of God has appeared. Uh, That's Jesus. A grace is coming. We're waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. It's Jesus Christ. Grace is teaching me to abide in him. It's Jesus. Where is grace going to take you this year? You know, we're going to close in just a minute. I, uh, I'm going to read you some scriptures that kind of encapsulate all that we've talked about. And as I do, our worship team's going to come and we're going to sing a song. And I want to encourage you. Uh, what are you being challenged about in terms of trusting Jesus Christ? As we're singing, we're going to stand and sing. And I just encourage you, come and lay that down. Give it to the Lord. And then go back to your seat. Or come afterwards and pray with the elders or... Or just come and 
pray, kneel before the Lord. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God's amazing. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.